We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Week 7 edition of Talking Yang. Jeff Erickson, Chris Liss here. It's always the international edition unless Liss decides to come back to L.A. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about looking forward to Week 7 and less about what happened in Week 6, although that's not even true because the first thing I want to do is rant about something that happened in Week 6. Uh, Liss, I've been thinking a lot about the notions of fandom uh, and why are we still fans of our teams? And for you, it, I think it's easier than it is for me. I, it's a lot easier for you than it is for me to be a fan of the Giants still. You've been rewarded. You've had Super Bowls. You, you were born and raised in New York. You have plenty of reason to be a Giants fan. Me, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, why on earth am I still a Bengals fan? Let's, face, let's look at the facts. I mean, we haven't won a playoff game under Marvin Lewis. We didn't even make the playoffs before him for a really long time. We made it to two Super Bowls ever where I've had my guts ripped out. You know, you've got one of the cheapest owners in sport, a uh, guy that has a smaller analytics department, smaller scouting department, smaller everything, uh, except for stadium deal. He's got the sweetheart stadium deal. I'm not even in Cincinnati. You know, I, 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 ne- I never lived in Cincinnati for that matter. Uh, I, I started rooting for the Bengals because my dad grew up in Ohio and was a Bengals fan. He passed it on to me before the, the Colts were even in Indianapolis. Uh, he doesn't even live there. He's not even a Bengals fan anymore. Why am I still a fan? <laughs> he's not. He's, he's a funny. Kansas City he's Chiefs fan now. His, he, he's, he, he chose fu- geography, especially because the Bengals didn't reward he chose, him. He chose wisely. Yeah. And I'm wondering, why the hell have I stuck with the Bengals? What have they done to earn my fandom? Now, I, I don't want to be someone that's just, I just root for my fantasy teams. I can't do that. I need the emotional tie. I need to care. 
but I, I'm finding it increasingly difficult to care about the Bengals. And what this isn't a tipping point. I guess it might be a tipping point, but it, it made me reflect at least. You know, rehiring Lewis, you know, for two more years minimum. Maybe this is the year they win a playoff game. Maybe not, but probably not. Uh, the fact is, it wasn't earned. It was something they were comfortable with. Uh, and then, you know, there's an instance happening in the uh, Steelers game uh, this weekend. Third quarter, they they got they did things right at the end of the second half and in the end of halftime before halftime. Got the two minute drill, scored a pretty easy touchdown actually. Start of the third quarter, they have great field position. They get to the Steelers forty, and on second like on third and a half yard, they lose a half yard. It's fourth and one. They punt from the forty, and Marvin Lewis, you know, after, asked afterward, he goes, "Well, I'd already kind of decided on third down. If we don't make it, we're punting." I mean, are you freaking kidding me? You know. You know, it's not even like he's not even like, oh, maybe this is wrong. Maybe I should look at this. Maybe I should think about the percentages here. No, we lost a half a yard. We're going to go for it. You know, because the only option is running in the middle of the pile, of course. You know, that's the only reason. That's the only way you could go for it. No, we didn't. We weren't going to, you know, I'm not going to do it. And there's a good article in The Athletic talking about how infrequently Marvin goes for it on fourth down. There was a year where he went for it a lot. And, since then it's just not happening that much and i just i'm frustrated yeah man i I hear you i think i think the giants will welcome you um we we have (laughs) a lot of fans we're not hurting for fans i think it would be costly for the Bengals to lose you because they don't you you guys just don't have that many fans um so i'd feel bad for the Bengals, but you know you do have to earn your fans i i think that i mean why are you wedded to them for life it's like if you have a sibling or something that's a terrible person you know, it's your sibling. You still got to try, right? Because you're, you're. It's you know. And for the family. record, my you're brother with... is awesome. I just want to illustrate. I, I want to make sure that uh, listen, that's clear. We won't get into the complaints you have about your brother, Jeff, because I know you know it's not. That's not what this is for. That's but... not for public consumption. No, it's not. It's not. But no, I mean, you're stuck with your siblings, but you choose your friends, right? So, like, if a friend is horrible, you just stop being friends with them. And the question is, is your football team or a friend or your family? And is it something you can just say, you know what, this is, I've had enough of this relationship and I'm moving on. And I, I do think that like, you know, if the giants had traded Odo Beckham this off season, I was ready to move on because you know, we've gone into it, but you know, John Mara is just, he's just a, he's just a tool. You know, he's just the second generation. He did nothing. He's just inherited the ownership and he's just faking it. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so if they, if they pushed it that far that they took the, my favorite player and they pushed him out of town, I think I would have just bailed. And this is after four years of McAdoo running the offense, two years where he's the head coach. I mean, just the, it's, the organization is getting stupid. It's not the, the Roonies and the Maras and all these people, you know, it's not the good old days. And I'm sure there was corruption or whatever, but those guys at least built the league. You know, there was a sense of like, these guys were, you know, ingenious in what they, the product that they built. And, you know, their, their, their errors to me are just, it's not the same level of person. So I, I really do think, you know, people should move on. Um, and I understand why you don't want to just be a fantasy fan or just whatever team you've bet on that. There's something nice about having a team to root for. Um, but I think you're just going to have a hard time adopting another one because, you know, you're just, you just have a lot of connect, a lot of, uh, neurons in your brain are connected to the laundry, the, uh, you know, the, the stripes on the helmet and the uniform colors and the players that you've rooted for for a while. So, I mean, I think you could do it. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I just don't think you'll have an easy time doing it. Like if you suddenly became a Giants fan, 
which you should. It's a good time which to I buy won't. low. Which I you. won't. But yeah, go no, ahead. It's a good time to buy low because uh, I, I know the NLMs out there think that uh, that oh, how could they take Barkley? But Barkley's going to be a monster. He's going to he's going to win a Super Bowl. They're going to win a Super Bowl with him. I mean, the problem is, Mar, nope, but he's going to have Barry I, Sanders career. A lot of disappointing. No teams. way. No way. No way. Great not, career. Not Sh- not disappointing teams. Not if they keep Shermer and not if uh, Beckham is there. I, they, they've got the nucleus to be a, a good team. And uh, they, you know, they just, they just need a quarterback. And as I wrote in my article today, quarterbacks are not that hard to find. Not that hard to find, but they, you have to commit to finding it. First of all. They don't. They don't even even acknowledge that that's a problem yet. Well, they. I guarantee. There's. You know, the locker room knows. Odell Beckham knows, and the I'm sure. Knows really. I'm sure the Schirmer locker room knows. has known that Eli's been the problem for three years, and they haven't done jack shit. I mean, well, you know, it's 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 not their job. Ownership is obviously driving this. Management is driving this carcass that's being forced to upon ownership. them. Reaction to ownership. You know, when they they even. You know, they even hinted at benching Eli. He go, oh, you know, the, the backlash was too much for him to handle. And they mentioned at one point uh, Kaepernick. Oh, we can't have Kaepernick. You know, it, it didn't. Well, yeah, help that was that. Mara. Yeah, but they. Yeah, I, I know. But you know that he goes. I can't. You know, we've had so many. You know, so many emails about this. I can't even possibly consider it. Oh, okay. Okay, that's fine. That's where. You're, that's what you're making your decisions based. That, that's on. a second generation guy. That's a second generation guy. You know, the first generation guy broke through many barriers, you know, pissed people off, carved out space, got stuff done. Second generation guys like, Oh no, we got angry letters. We can't possibly sign that guy. You know, that, that that's, that's John Mara. That guy has nothing going, but the thing is it doesn't really matter because Eli's been so bad. It's going to take like two or three more games. And Shermer's just going to say, look, man, enough's enough. You know, we did it your way. Let's move on because it's just, you can't, you can't play with the bottom three quarterback. And Eli is that bad. So unless somehow Eli miraculously, you know, reverse ages 10 years, I, I just, I think they're going to, they have to move on. It's, it's not really a choice when a guy's that bad, they have to move on. And so they will move on. And next year there'll be a different quarterback for the giants and hopefully they get lucky or do something smart. Like I, I think actually Shermer's smart. I don't know about Gettleman. He seems like kind of an idiot, but, um, but I think they, you know, it's not, it's not rocket science what to do either pick a, a really good quarterback in the draft or, make a smart signing or trade for someone cheap and wait for the next one. I'd be fine with Teddy Bridgewater for this year. I would have been fine with Tyrod Taylor um, with, with the weapons that they have. I think it'd be really interesting to have a running quarterback like Taylor with Barkley, with Beckham, with a creative offensive mind running the show. I think it would be, uh, it would have been something to have him. It would have been, it would have been, it would have been something. Uh, You know, the thing is, Trying to find who you would choose otherwise. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about the Giants, but I wouldn't I wouldn't do that just because for one I have to oppose you, uh, but for two I no I just it's just there's no natural connection for me there either. But look at here, like there's two LA teams and I don't care about either of them. I mean, they're both carpet bagging teams. First of all, like three three times over in the case of the no, Rams, you, um, oh, and then the Chargers. I mean. They didn't, you know, I, I, no one cares about them here right now. I mean, I, I could get in on the ground floor of the Chargers. That's the thing. I mean, that's about the only thing I could do. That, but it's just, it's so shady. I just, but like, that's one of the reasons why I never got into the Colts when I was in Indy. And, you know, the auspices in which they came there were horrible. They were hor- and they, it didn't help. They were a horrible when they, a horrible team too, when they moved too. But, you know, to support them meant supporting their Ursays. And I, I just couldn't get into that. Now, I don't really, I mean, you can not care about ownership, but, 
it's just, it was really slimy. I mean, it just, it illustrated me like, you know, even early on the business of sports was pretty, pretty shady. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Chargers are some of the worst ownership in all of sports. So that's the other thing. Like they blackmailed their city, their city told them to fuck off. And now they put their team in a place where they don't have any fans. Yeah. So on the one hand, the Chargers are a team that it's not bandwagon, even though they're four and two, because they, they don't have a lot of national fans, the Chargers, but I mean, why do you, you know, if part of the reason you're ditching is because ownership is terrible, you know, you don't want to support that other product. That's not a good, it's very hard to find quality ownership. You know, you just try to find non absolutely pernicious, horrible people owning the team. Right. That's the goal. Right. And you know, we've, with all the attention now provided, you know, immediate attention via, you know, social media and usually Twitter, uh, we know about all these guys pretty quickly. And, there, it's like you said. I mean, it, there's very few that pass the smell test. It's it's really uh, you know the whole enterprise is kind of like get you down. And then and then I'm like, oh, but this is my business. I want to care about. I mean, I love football. I love fantasy football. I love fantasy sports. How do I you know separate that from the business of sports, which I hate? I mean, it's it's a kind of a tough dichotomy sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, if fantasy is not affected. I mean, you can just be a cold-blooded person right. that uses the stupidity of the coaches and the arrogance of ownership, and says, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to take Beckham this year. I don't think the Giants' management's going to get him a good quarterback. They're more, you know, concerned with appeasing God knows who, actually. But I think the fa- the fans are booing now. You know, when when Eli's out there making a f- four-yard checkdown when it's third and fifteen. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't know who they're appeasing, actually, to be honest. It's somebody because that's what John Mara does. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, you're just, you're just going to have to find a, a team that's relatively innocuous and uh, root for them. I guess so. I guess so. Chiefs, there you go. That's a starting point. I can, ju- I can rejoin my dad and my yeah, brother. There you they're go. Chiefs, it was also kind of your second team anyway for a while. Kind of was in a way, yeah. I guess they are, and I mean, but it's, that's that's very bandwagony, though. I mean, but then again, who cares if I'm a bandwagon fan? You are a bandwagoner in all your teams, all of them. Yep, yeah, including started, the you Bengals. You for the Bengals in '81, I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely, in '76, I became a Bengals fan. Bengals and Reds, no, but yet, and the thing oh, is, like the Reds, is I feel a connection a to. I, I feel a, a connection with the Reds. Yeah, I, I have been a Reds fan since then. Well, 76 was a pretty good time to join the Reds. Pretty good. Pretty good. My my yeah. parents went to the World Series game, uh, one sure. of the World Series games against your Yankees. That was a fun sure. year. It's yeah. all about my first baseball memory, basically. Uh, so, yeah, and the Reds, and Indy was the Reds farm club, too. Uh, so, we they always come down, do that annual exhibition. You'd see the stars come down. I saw Eric Davis as a minor leaguer. You know, there was a reason I have connection with the Reds. I don't have the same connection with the Bengals. You know, I like, well, I have connection with the Bengals. I follow the real man. Wood account follows uh, Vontez. Perfect. It's one of the three. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah. About perfect. And Pac-Man Jones. I tried to follow, but his tweets are protected. So he doesn't, hasn't accepted my invitation yet. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's smart of him, but <laughs> perfect. You know, he, it's getting tough to defend the dude. I mean, still a cheap shot. I, I love perfect. I'll I defend you him. Do. He's perfect for you. Uh, he's the best. He's the best at being a cheap shot artist. Yes. Oh, he's the best. I, I wish perfect were on the giants. I take him. He'd be a perfect fit. Yes, he would. All right. That, that kills uh, any Bengals. Perfect for you. Perfect is the enemy of the good. <laughs> we could go down this path for a while. Couldn't we? Uh, I, 
just it's you know he does the stupid stuff now granted the Steelers are a bunch of whiny babies too uh and oh he was pointing at one of our guys saying you're next suspend him for a year do you see that on Twitter today like no, reasonable people I, I, saying it I, I just I, you know I, I I don't know uh I, I don't know I just it's annoying to me that yeah the Steelers do as much dirty stuff as anybody in football you know, they all do. The players do. I mean, that's what they do. Uh, and like, they, they whine every time about it, too. Yeah. I don't like the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Uh, unless, I bet, unless I bet them against the spread, then I love them. Right, of course. There you go. And then that, that starts at the top of your pyramid. Yeah, well, the top of the pyramid is Survivor. It's always the top of the pyramid because you're, I mean, Survivor and rooting for your own team to win, right? It's just the cleanest thing. Right. It's just get a win. Right. And then a little bit further down is the spread. Okay, well, now it's it's not just about winning. It's about covering. And then as you get further down, you got all these interests, these disparate, you know, individual interests in the game. You're sort of breaking the system into a lot of pieces and rooting for that. And, you know, it's just every NFL team is a complex system. And so it's the most pure when you're just rooting for the system to do what it's designed to do, which is win a game. Yeah. What's more, what's, what has more on the line for you, a super contest or the NFFC uh, classic contest? Well, you know, it's whatever I'm doing better in. And I think the classic, I'm two and three. I got to look it up. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I get annoyed. And then I'm like, why am I even looking at my record? Again, just set my lineups, make my waiver moves. <laughs> just you know just let, let uh, more it, what i was lie. getting at is how much can you win in super contest oh you, you can win one and a half million in super oh, contest so okay it's an order of magnitude uh, we went two and three so now we're like 17 and 12 i want to say and 17 got, 12 and one through you, i mean we're not out of it but you gotta get to work i mean we need like a five and oh and a four and one you know we need to go like eight and two nine and one for the next 10 get back in this thing but that was bad we we're two and one it was it's unfortunate so I care about both, but of course, and I don't mean to imply you care. Well, I, you know, I care about, about both, but you know, it's it's sort of like the NFC teams. Like none of them are bad; they're all like pretty good, but they're all not that good. And the thing about the NFC is you can't just make the playoffs. You got to be one of the two teams in your league. I don't know if I'm going to get there. I might on points. I mean, you know, I'm, I've got enough points that if I go on a nice run, and I like the rosters. Just haven't quite put it together. You know, there's there's always something. Was done one thing wrong or left one guy on my bench or not quite getting it done. But yeah, I care about all of it. You know, I mean, I, but I'm just trying to detach and I'll get, I'll get excited if we get back into the super, you know, if we 17 and 12 is not good enough. We got to win, you know, go like 22 and 12, 24, you know, 26 and 14. You know, we got to, we got to start getting to that level before I get excited again. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, it's funny. I'm in one of my online championship contests. I am third in points in my league and in ninth place. I'm two and four. Really annoying. But I, that's I, all right though, because all you got to do is just keep the points. Yeah, but I got to get on it a little bit there because I thought it was only two that two and sometimes three that advance, right? Um, yeah, I think it's two, yeah in the online it's two advance from record and then and no one is record one is points. And then if there's a third team that's in like the top 15% overall of points also, then he also advances. Right. So I still got to you know, kill it in points. That's my uh, girly team. And it's a good team. I screwed up though. I started Alfred Morris over Alex Collins or anybody with a pulse really thought Morris was going to do something. You know, the, the Brita, Oh, he's got a bad, badly sprained ankle. Okay. Maybe he'll play and no Morris won't play at all. Sorry. That's tough. Yeah. On Monday night, it's not really much you can do. Yeah. Uh, the, the, 
the beat Jeff Erickson, the first one that I did, you know, the the night of the first preseason games where I started, I drafted Marlon Mack as one of my running backs. I, I waited on running backs. I felt icky about it. And that one's fine. That one's five and one leading in points. So who knows? I mean, and I've ha- only had one week out of Mark Ingram so far. I, I just looked at one of my at NFBC. It's in fifth place in points, but you know, it's, we're all within like 70 points, 80 points. And, uh, it's actually four and two. And there are six of us tied for first place at four and two. So that one's totally live. Absolutely. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't even know. I, I'm just trying not to look at the standings. Cause I don't want to get, that's the Mahomes, Gurley, Mike Evans team. Just got uh, Alshon Jeffrey back too. And I think I've got Mark Ingram in that league too. Maybe not. I'm looking at him. Not, I don't have Mark Ingram. But anyway, uh, yeah. So you're just, you know, I'm just trying not to, like, it's kind of like counting your chips at the poker table. Like, it's kind of irrelevant. You know, it's just just keep making the moves, keep putting the guys in, don't get caught up in the scoring. It doesn't really See, matter. But, you know, that whole line about, you know, don't count your money at the table, that's a lie. When you're playing cash poker, you need to know what you where you stand in chips versus some of the other people at the yeah. table. You really kind of need you to know like if you have short, covered. You're like, like you're like, oh, you know, this guy bet. Do I really want to risk an all in? He's got ten. He's got a thousand chips behind him, and I've got three hundred. Yeah, you, you should absolutely about? count your money while you're sitting at the table. But is that really because? So what if he goes all in? You know, I mean, it's like no, no. But it's more like okay, well, you know, f- you know, for you know, sometimes it is you know, a, a case like well, if I make this bet. Can I and this continuation bet? Can what? Can I withstand a raise? Can what's what's my play after that? You need to know where you stand, kind of relative chips relative to the other players, relative to the pot. You absolutely need to know where you are. Well, I think you need to know, like, yeah, you need to know how much money you have left, I guess, um, relative to the pot and relative to people putting you in. But you don't really need to do your P and L at the table. No, I, I, and so, so like but you are counting you your chips in a couple of times, learned. you won some, you, you know, you, you don't need to make that accounting until you're done. That is true. You do need to know just for sort of, yeah, for strategic purposes, like right. this guy, you know, wow, I've got this much and like, can I call you know? Yeah, sure. And of course in tournaments, you need to know your chip stack too, relative to the blinds, relative to the blinds and annies and all that, whether, you know, cause that kind of sometimes dictates how fast you play a hand and dictates uh, what hands you're willing to open with too. If you're sitting there with you know ten big blinds, you're not opening up with seven five suited. Yeah. You might because you're you, but most I, w- I would maybe do it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, time to do a little business here. Uh, we, this uh, podcast and all, all throughout the month and all the RotoWire podcasts are sponsored by the folks at Fantasy Draft. Uh, appreciate them for uh, stepping up and doing that. Some of the features they want to highlight this week uh, is that they have they want to point out as always they have super flexible lineups for nfl there's no kicker and you can draft four running backs if you want in the nba and remember the nba starts tuesday night which is about you know tonight when we're, we're launching this here lineups are even more flexible you want five guards and two centers no problem they can do that i, I do like that actually because sometimes you like you know I, I i hate being locked in okay i can only use this one center now a lot of guys have multiple positions but a lot of time you know not in dfs they don't uh, so you have to kind of make that hard decision whether or not you want you, know, you like you really like two centers. Oh, can't use them in fancy draft. You can hundred thousand dollar running gun weekly feature is this week. Uh, it's a twenty five dollar uh, buy in. It's a GPP. 
Uh, they also have the $500,000 Fantasy Draft Championship. $100,000 goes to first, and there are weekly qualifiers happening right now. It's a Week 16 final. Uh, rake free, a head-to-head contest for uh, under $200, uh, or half the rake for the, uh, for the other guys for the rest. So that means if you and a friend both enter a $100 head-to-head contest, the winner gets $200. Fantasy Draft takes no fees. Uh, finally, there's a free $4 GPP ticket with your initial deposit at FantasyDraft.com. Just sign up with the referrer code ROTOWIRE. FantasyDraft.com, referrer code ROTOWIRE. Starting to look ahead to week seven, Chris. And, you know, there's a, because instead of just kind of reviewing what happened in week six, we've kind of done that already. And we've, other podcasts have also done that already. Let's start to look ahead. The thing that stood out to me the most, uh, the one that I'm going to have a hard time making decisions about is this saints ravens game i'm doing the value meter right now how far do you move down drew Brees? how far do you move down you know alvin Kamara, especially Kamara and ingram you know and trying to figure out that playing time situation baltimore looks you know ridiculously stacked on defense all of a sudden yeah i wouldn't overstate that i mean i don't know the the Bengals move the ball against them and i think you know jimmy smith is back that helps but the saints will have a good play him attack and i don't know that camara can easily be stopped the way they use him and the uh, offensive line is good in new orleans and i think they'll run it a decent amount i don't think they're going to want to on the road outside the dome sort of throw into the strength of them i mean they'll throw to michael thomas and mix it up maybe they'll take a deep shot traquan smith or ted ginn is ted ginn still hurt uh we'll find out uh what with the practice anyway, reports whoever whoever it is that's running the shot but they'll mix it up i i mean I still got to decide it, it's uh it's saints plus two and a half so they're not getting the full the they're not getting the full three so they're considered slightly better than the ravens might take the ravens but saints defense has played better in the last couple of weeks too so they have and that that's the one thing against the giants and then of course on that monday night game man the redskins just didn't show up in that game at all but, you know the redskins offense is kind of garbage i mean alex smith had like 4.5 yards per attempt against the panthers too there's just something yeah, there was a lot of mistakes made by the Panthers to put the Redskins in good position, that's for sure. Yeah, they, they didn't do anything the last couple of weeks. So the, that Redskins offense, they just really need playmakers, and they don't have them. Jordan Reed's like a dink and dunk. I mean, Alex Smith is reverted to being the Alex Smith pre-2017. And uh, I think the Saints defense is pretty good. Um, and, you know, the Ravens offense is not that good. I don't know. I, I agree the Saints are a slightly better team. But... Um, you know, I wouldn't start Breeze. I, w- I wouldn't be eager to start Breeze over guy. You know, I would start, for instance, I'd start Jameis Winston against the Browns over him. I'd definitely start Goff at San Francisco over him. So that, yeah, most of the QBs that you would ask, I would probably start over. I, you know what's interesting is Trubisky against New England. Would you tar- start Trubisky at home against New England, or would you start Breeze at Baltimore? Well, let's, just, let's consult. I have done my uh, rankings there. I do have Breeze over Trubisky. I have Trubisky at 17, and I might be too low. I don't know. I, I might revisit Maybe not. that. I have Breeze at 12, though, so I don't have him really that high. Breeze versus Phillip Rivers this week. And Rivers is against Tennessee in London. The London. super early game. Yeah. Um, that's tough. It's just, Tennessee is low-scoring and ugly usually, too. They are. So you don't have to they do it. They drag you into the muck. And then, like, it could be muddy and rainy there, and it's they're going to be out of sorts, everybody, you know, because it's the trip to London, San Diego. I mean, Los Angeles to London is a long way. So, I don't know. I probably Cleveland to Los Angeles to London, too, for that matter. 
you know, they, right. They were on the road and then they, all right. That's a lot of traveling. I think I would take the Titans with a spread now that you just mentioned that. Well, that's but, why I'm here to help you. Thanks. Watch it be a horrible pick. Now I'll use in the super contest. No big deal. Whatever the nutless monkey comes up with is not going to be, is going to be worse. So I might have to make my picks. Um, <laughs> I, w- I can't wait to hear, uh, you know, a real man would this week. Uh, just hearing you go after Dalton. What's funny is I was the one who wanted us to take Washington and he's like, okay, that Washington picks on you. Yep. So thank God I took Washington. Right. Uh, the, Breeze or Deshaun Watson this week. Watson's against the Jaguars at Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. I would probably take Breeze. I, I'm definitely taking Breeze, but I, uh, let's go one of them. I, I think Jacksonville may just like, like he may be injured by halftime. He very well could be. I mean, he's get, he got hit 11 times last week against the Bills. Bills quietly actually have a pretty decent defense, I think. Uh, just their offense is so sad. It, it's really sad. I, I kind of wonder, you know, by the time you hear this podcast, we might know. Is Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson going to get the start? Derek Anderson off the street might be better than Peterman. I would say so. Yeah. You off the street might be better than Peterman. I would, you know, I would do my best. I, I think I'm probably not as good as he yeah. is. Well, if you get that fastball up to 70 miles an hour, I think you could do it. Yeah. I could definitely throw, you know, some of the short screens, not, at, you know, better than Eli. Like, you know, Eli's always throwing at their feet. I'm pretty sure I could throw a nicer ball than Eli. And I could throw a short pass to Odell Beckham that doesn't have to jump. That's not over his head. Hmm. But I'm not as good as Peterman, but I'm definitely better than Eli at this point. Okay, that, that's your standard. Uh, Andrew Luck versus those same Bills or Drew Brees? In um, yeah, I'd probably go Brees. I don't know. I've Is got Hilton going to be right back? Now, do we? But do, do we do we know whether Hilton's going to be back? I think that's kind of big. Yeah, I think it is big too. With no Hilton, I probably move him down. Right now, my I've I've got him. I mean, the thing is, Luck's Luck's receivers were. You know, he threw three interceptions, but not all of those were his fault. There was a couple like deflections off hands, sort of thing. Yeah, the touchdown, the pick six was to start the deflected. game. Yeah, that, that's that's a hell of a way to start the game. Uh, you know, I know one late was definitely his fault. He just didn't see it, see the receiver. I mean, the defender in coverage just didn't read the coverage. Um, all right, one more of these, and then we'll move on. We'll get off this topic. Cam Newton or Breeze? Cam Newton's at Philly. Hasn't done a whole lot throwing the ball this year. I, I'd go Newton. I, I think Newton is just so dangerous to put up a monster number. And, you know, you know, I was just reading this article on the ringer. I forget who the author was. I think P and I linked to it on Twitter and it's pretty good. And they said the NFL's tried to have closer games and higher scoring games and they've gotten both and their ratings have gone up as a result. And so it's like, there's just, it's just like very unpredictable because there's like more parity. There's not as big of a disparity between the teams and there's just the way they're, I don't know if it's like the way they're the rule changes, the way they're calling the game or whatever's going on, but it's like this crazy volatile one week, one team's great. The next team, you know, week another team's great. And there's these massive outputs, you know, like Dallas scores 40 against Jacksonville last week. And so I think that, uh, you know, defenses are less reliable. There's only a few teams that even bother to have a legitimate defense that you're even worried about anymore. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, that, it's a good question. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's it, that is tough to solve. Uh, let me ask you another one. Um, we we look at matchups a lot. The two weakest defense that at the two teams I looked at immediately to see who they're playing are Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Now Tampa Bay fired their coordinate defensive coordinator. Maybe they'll change. Maybe they'll be better eventually. I doubt it. But this week Atlanta is hosting your Giants. Eliability, all eliable. 
Uh, and Tampa Bay is hosting Baker Mayfield uh, and their utter lack of receivers. How much do you play on the matchups versus the personnel? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call because, you know, both are great matchups and both. I mean, Eli <laughs> can't get it done here. You know, I mean, this is just Eli has great personnel. You know, Mayfield's actually good, but he has nobody to throw to. I guess I would start, I don't know. I think Barkley may have a huge game, but a lot of it will be like a short pass that he takes a long way. Then Eli's mm-hmm. going to get credit for that. I don't know. It's very close. My gut says, my gut says Eli, but I, I could see that Tampa. I could see the Browns in Tampa just with random receivers going back and forth, you know, 40, 43, 40 game, like the Sunday night one. Yeah. And it's, it's really like a, a good litmus test on, you know, whether you can use Eli at all this year. I mean, if you can't use him in this game, you just can't use him, period. I have him at 14 right now. I actually just put him ahead of Watson, ahead of Keenum, ahead of Trubitsky, ahead of Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see the case for it. I mean, you can't really use Eli because if your absolute ceiling is 14th, you're like a bi-week fill-in. I mean, you're not you're on waivers most of the time. Right. Well, and I'm by this week, Rodgers and Roethlisberger, so, and Wilson, too. Uh, so there's three nominal starters and Derek Carr, but nobody cares about Derek Carr. Uh, there, there's three nominal, unless you're in a two QB league, of course, uh, in the Carr family. Uh, but besides that, nobody cares about him. The, but those other three, they're going to, they're usually in your starting lineup this week. So this is a week where he might be your bi-week fill-in. I mean, you don't get a better matchup than that. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. I mean, I, I'm a Giants fan, so I'm biased and I, I've seen so many disasters, but I think at Atlanta, there's a decent floor. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think who might be a better bye week fill in. And I can't find one this way. I mean, it's, it's him or Mayfield basically. And Mayfield yeah. has, no I like Mayfield. Yeah. I, Mayfield is just such a better player and there's just no way they're going to drop as many passes as they did last week. And I think Landry, he doesn't seem to be hurt. I mean, never, no one's blaming it on his injury should get some more. And Joku seems like he's here to stay. And they just need somebody else, whether it's Callaway or there's everyone else got hurt. Even that guy like Damian Ratley, who I'd never heard of. Yeah, he got banged up at the end of the game. He's too. hurt too. Yeah. Rashard Higgins is hurt. I mean, they're all hurt. Yeah. I, I love how you got the Willies and he immediately went on the, the IR. Oh, yeah. In pra- with a practice injury, a uh, fractured collarbone. I feel bad for him. I don't with love three, it. But, yeah. Their three scrubs got hurt even. I mean, they, they got rid of Gordon. Think about their receiver depth. They had Gordon and Coleman on the opening day roster or the preseason roster. Got rid of those two. Then they lost three more guys. So they've lost five guys since the summer on the, on the receiving core. And Landry's playing hurt. or I mean, maybe he's not officially hurt, but he did get hurt earlier. And you got Landry, Callaway, who could be arrested any moment. Or not arrested, but suspended. And Njoku. That's like it. That's all they got. Yep. And you know, Ninjoku got the first catch of the game. First play of the game, they f- hit him with a good pass. Uh, same in, later in that series, they hit him, and then they kind of forgot about him, or at least they changed the coverage. But he even had Derwin James on him, and he was open a couple of times. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, that game was a sad rewatch. That was a really tough one to watch just because the receivers were so bad. Callaway should have come up with this one. You know, it, was, it would have been a hard catch, but... Baker Mayfield threw a good deep ball on one of those like kind of crossing routes across and just kind of short armed it a little bit. And I know later on he had a, a real alligator arm one, which is ironic because he went to Florida. But you know it, it's he, he really Im- did not impress me at all. Um, I, I just don't think he makes the tough catches, and that's that's kind of tough. 
Uh, but yeah, against the Bucks, you would think that this is a great opportunity, but it's going to be hard to commit. Uh, they they did finally use Duke Johnson more. Duke Johnson had four catch for like seventy five yards, and you know he every time he touches the ball, he looks good. And it just it just there's but so does Nick Chubb. Hyde looks pretty good too. It's not like you, I can have this, you know, it's not like the Packers where Jamal Williams is clearly an inferior option to Aaron Jones. That's not the case in Cleveland. You know, all three backs are good. Yeah. I just, huge. I just have so little faith in Hugh Jackson. I just, I don't, I just think he's just in over his head. Like it's just not a credible situation. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why they stuck with him after he went 0 16. Because they dug in, they 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 fired the GM, so they had to make the point that it was the GM's fault, not the coach's fault. Now, after another lost year, then they'll move on. Probably, uh, you got to figure this has got to be it for him. You're like, oh, you went 0 and 16 with this coach. I went six and 10 with them. I'm six games better than that GM. Right. Even though, like, that previous GM laid the groundwork by bringing in of all course, this talent. Of course. But, yeah. Of course. Uh, so yeah, that that's just ugly there. Um, so that that's enough Cleveland talk for one podcast that anyone can stomach. Let's get our other uh, bit of uh, uh, business done here. Uh, we have another sponsor. We want to uh, thank Jockalytics for uh, sponsoring us. Looking for more success in daily fantasy football season? Fantasy football this season? Let me introduce you to Jockalytics, a new platform designed to help you manage your daily fantasy play. Jockalytics analyzes contests across leading fantasy sites applying your individual playing and bankroll preferences to find the best contest for you. And with Jockalytics notifications, you can relax knowing that you'll be the first to know when new contests are available. Spend more time playing and less time searching. Join now and get free access to the entire Jockalytics product suite for October. That's J-O-C-K-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S. Jockalytics.com. Join now. Thanks to Jackalytics for sponsoring Talking Yang. All right, Chris, uh, let's look at a couple other games for uh, this upcoming week. Uh, and then let's just muse on anything we else want to uh, that we want to cover here. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time uh, at, at the quarterback position because I, I always rank the quarterbacks first. I kind of feel like everything stems from that. If you don't have a good quarterback, it, it's really hard to get like the receivers get good production. I feel like sometimes I have Odell ranked too high just because Eli's just not getting the ball deep to him very often. But then, then again, he has a game like he did against Carolina. Well, he threw a touchdown pass so that, you know, that was kind of hard to predict, but yeah, I mean, he's also dangerous. I mean, if, if he takes a short one, that's not thrown behind him, he can take it to the house. I mean, he's just so dangerous in space. And I think Shermer and the offense, they know how to do it. It's just the ball has to be leading him. You know, when you see, a guy take a short pass to the house that usually doesn't have to stop and turn around to catch it. So I think against the Falcons, that could happen. I'd have Odell pretty high. He had a bad game last week. The comments, there's a lot of distractions, um, but you know, not, he's not the distraction, but there's a lot of like media talk, ownership talk, but I think, yeah, isn't that ridiculous? That's such a ridiculous talk though. I know you ran it about it on XM. I went crazy. Yeah. Even on XM, they, 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 took that clip. It's on the site. So we don't have to do it again, but right. um, I, I think Odell, but he shows up to play every week. You know I mean? It's just, that's, he does his job. So I would, I would DFS, whatever I would, I would use Beckham without a second thought. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, what else stood at you uh, when you started looking at uh, trying to guess your lines? Uh, I know we talked on air how uh, the KC uh, game, KC is favored by less than you would have expected. Yeah. Oh, I thought seven or seven and a half and six. So 
you know, I, I, the Bengals, I, they kind of against the Steelers, it was toe to toe, but Andy Dalton got five and a half YPA and Steelers kind of went easily down the field after the mix and touchdown. And I just kind of felt like, yeah, the Bengals are still just a pretty good team. You know, that 10 and six, nine and seven, somewhere in the middle of the pack, nothing special. And the Steelers still have the capacity to be that 11 and five type team that, you know, 12 and four, 11 and five bye week team. I'm not saying they will cause they lost a couple games, but just, they're just, they just have that other gear that the Bengals I don't think have. And I think the chiefs are, you know, they losing by three in new England is no, that's not, there's no, no shame in that. And I don't know. I think they, you know, they're at home, so they should be favored by, you know, the minimum you could see is like about where it is is six. I mean, they're, they're bet They're the better team. Um, their defense isn't good. So you you'd probably be happy to start any Bengals you have, and maybe they keep pace. Sometimes these type of games, they can keep pace, but you see how fast the chiefs can strike. And I, and I kind of feel like if the, the Bengals will have to drive down the field more and that's the Bengals are not a keep pace team. They're just not. Yeah. So yeah. I actually will almost certainly be taking the chiefs on this. And maybe it's just because I'm at one of those, you know, self-hating. Yeah. One of self-hating Bengals fan moments. One of the, the uh, valleys, not a peak. That's for sure. Uh, I, the other thing too is the Bengals have a ton. Makes, makes me want to take the Bengals though. Your talk. I mean, honestly, Good. never like I'm glad. phase the Niners. It just makes you, it just it's just kind of like when everyone's like soured on something. That's the time to jump obvious. in, right? It really is go the buy time Bitcoin. To buy. You know, go go get Nikes. I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, you could do that. I I, I could see it. I'll, I'll say this: the the case against the Bengals too is a lot of injuries are uh, really affecting this team too. Nick Vigil, one of their starting linebackers, out a month. Uh, Perfect had a bad shoulder in the game. Darquez Denard, when he got clowned on by J, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster on that one beautiful catch, um, he suffered a shoulder injury on the play. Sean Williams, their starting safety, got uh, concussed. Uh, Dark, Carlos Dunlop had a brief lead with an injury. Uh, William Jackson was limping around a couple of times. They got a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball now. And it was already a problem on the skill position side on offense earlier. So that's what makes me worry a little bit there. Um, related to the Chiefs, Chiefs and Patriots, I saw something that was going on Twitter. I don't, Twitter today. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, the, on Brady's touchdown run, Gronk, Edelman, and James White were all double teamed. I don't know if you saw that screenshot. That's that's pretty difficult to do. And there were two other guys in the pattern, so of course Brady was able to run. Uh, but it, you know, and on that play, the guy well, could have had a sack had he not thought. Had he thought that was that, that was bullshit. I yeah. mean, you know, you, you got to start. I mean, if you're going to do the rule that they have, and I feel bad for the guy because yeah. he grabs Brady and goes easy. And he's like, oh, this old man's not going to run, and then he just runs for a touchdown. And it almost should be like, a, I mean, this would suck because this is not good football. This is another would open a can of worms, but you got to bring back the in the grasp rule then where it's just like, Oh, he's in the grasp. He's down because if you can't hit him, what, you know, it's just, it was just, see the guy was in a no win situation. Right. So it was, it's, you know, it's just a casualty of that, of that rule. But if you add the, in the grasp rule, there's going to be all these super ticky tack, like, Oh, he was touched. He's in the grasp, you know, then you're going to be infuriated by that. So, it's just I, I just say you just crush the quarterback, you know, and just take take your chances. Right. Well, you may you may think that that's just amusing to do the in the grass, but they've actually said they they need to call it more. That they and they, I've actually heard it called. I've seen it called a couple of times. But, but the, the real problem you is that you got Cam scrambling Newtons quarterbacks the, the, too. Yeah, the Cam Newtons and the Russell Wilson. I mean, not them calling in the grasp on those guys. That's they live on fighting out of being in the grasp. Yeah, and. 
Roethlisberger is definitely one of those. Mariota is another one. Mariota, no longer relevant man, uh, but still, um, yeah, I can't believe. Like, I bought into that Mariota hype after the Philly game, thinking, okay, he's back. He looks good. This is he's a thing. I went, I went out and got him as and uh, Fab in one league. Ugh. Now you can't use him. You have to cut him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah sure. In a one QB league, there's there's no point in holding him. I I still think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on there. Something totally wrong with the offense. I mean, the running game is totally shut down. They're just not moving the ball. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're not. Um, and we thought, Hey, new, new coaching staff. Hey, it's going to fix their offensive problems. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to figure out what's going on with them though, too. I mean, the whole Richard Matthews thing played out weird, uh, signing Dion Lewis and, and having Henry, you know, neither of them are really getting enough work. I don't know. Yeah, it's just one. It's really weird in this this pinball year that there's these weird. There's like six teams, and Dallas broke out, but it's, I think still think they're one of them. Dallas, Tennessee, Buffalo, to some extent Jacksonville, although they'll open up sometimes. You know, Baltimore's a little bit like it. I mean, there's just these teams that play this smash mouth, ugly brand of football, and they're like this island in like a sea of, you know, everyone's Air Coriel, you know, 1979, where they're all throwing all the time it's just a bizarre it's like there's these random teams that come around and they'll get you it's like you got to avoid those your fantasy players even it's just it's just an ugly nasty game when when teams meet and it's funny because the texans are a real finesse team i mean they can't protect watson they throw a lot they can't run the ball and uh they ran into the bills and was like okay which style is going to win well the Bills style totally won if peterman doesn't throw that pick six you know, maybe the bills win the game. So that style often can smother the more wide open style. You see that in other, you know, in other sports and like boxing, you see those ugly, like guys who like tie it up all the time. And it's always like a wrestling match in there and nobody can ever throw a real punch. That's, that's like those teams. Like they just tie it up, muddy it up. And, and I think for fantasy, those are the, those are like the worst. They're almost worse than a team like the Vikings that has a good defense, but at least they'll shoot it out with you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, the Bills rewatches have been tough all year. Uh, I know Bills Titans was just special, just special. I mean, it was as bad as it gets. I mean, both teams are muddy uppers, uh, so that, that that was really bad. And of course, it played out like it did thirteen twelve. Yeah, no, it's it's a very strange year where there can be totals that are you know fifty five, fifty nine in the it was fifty nine in the in the Pats Chiefs game and it was eighty three was this was the total in real life, so you just crush the over on that, but you know there, there's like a handful of games that are like below twenty you know that that almost the total needs to be like thirty two or something crazy like that, and then you just have a much more broad spectrum of the, of of totals. You do, you do. Uh, so, uh, it's, I think it was kind of a mistake by me to jump to the, the the tasty steak and dessert of my rewatches first. Rewatch the Rams, rewatch the Patriots and Chiefs first, and then go down to these awful games afterward. I mean, it just there's others to look forward to. I still haven't rewatched uh, Falcons uh, Bucks. I did see that last play, and that was amazing. But I, I have to, that's still on my list of things to finish to rewatch. Uh, but you know. It, it does like, oh, I got this stinky game still left. Ah, this one's still left. I don't, I don't know if I want to get through this, but you got to. You, you got to make sure if, if you're going to do that, if you have this process, you have to do it. Well, it's good that you're doing that. You know, I've watched all the standalone games on the, you know, in their entirety on the rewind. 
and I, I really enjoy it because I don't know the outcome, right? Like I, I've woken up, I don't check anything and I, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. It's a lot harder to do it, even though they're short, there's, you know, 15 of them or whatever every week. And you know, the outcome, you know, what's going to happen. It's like, it's not as fun. Yeah. One thing is like, I watch the standalone games just cause they're on and I watch my Bengals. So that usually leaves, uh, like, that that's takes care of four games and then like in a week like this and then this this past week there's 11 others so they're 40 minutes basically so that's you know 440 more minutes of you know stuff there where i have to kind of figure out how how it you know i what am i going to miss if, you know but you got to do it in case you see something you know and you do see stuff every once in a while you see uh like that that dolph like a couple a couple weeks ago when the dolphins went three you know the dolphins raiders game you could really see what a fraud the dolphins were that that three and oh was so fraudulent um but just rewatching and just look how little they were able to get done except for a couple of fluke plays uh, and how much the Raiders were the better team for most of that day. Of course, the Raiders have since fallen into an abyss, but that's okay. Uh, but, you know, you catch things like that every once in a while. Yeah, the other thing I read in this article that's interesting is they said that because of the new practice rules, the collective bargaining agreement mandated totally limited practice rules and preseason's limited, and one GM or coach was asked, like, you know, how, what do you think of your team through the first three games? And he's like, yo, you mean the preseason? And yeah. that basically the first three games are just, they still don't really know what's going on yet because it, they've been so limited in what they're allowed to do. And so, but that's ridiculous. Cause they have training camp like two months before the start of the season. They have yeah, more, they can't more practice, preseason they games. They can't practice that many hours. They, they can't do the two days anymore. There's a whole bunch of things they can't do on the field now based <sighs> on the agreement. So they, you may have a lot of Okay, this days. is where not being a coach or being right there limits me in my analysis, but I, I think that strains credulity a little bit. It seems like excuse-making by a coaching staff instead of... I don't know. I've, I've heard this not just from this. This is, this is like the fourth time I've heard this, that the new rules make things very different. Um, and it's just... Thing, you know, I, I, I want to figure out how to, you know, where the, where the edge is here. Like maybe rookies take a little longer to, to get going, so pick up the DJ Moore's in week seven or eight, pick up the, some of the guys a little bit later. Um, I'm not really sure, but, but I believe it. I mean, why not? I mean, this stuff happens all the time in society. There's a regulation passed for some ostensible reason and it has all these unintended consequences. And then everyone has to kind of work around those consequences. That's normal. That's just the way stuff goes. I guess so. I guess so. But I, I just, I, I guess it takes, you know, but maybe. nobody can really use it as an excuse because everybody's dealing with the same problem. Right. So it's not an excuse. I actually also think it kind of explains the last few years why the Patriots look like such crap early. And then a few weeks later they get it together. Yeah. Because they just haven't been able to like have the Belichick touch put on it. They haven't really been able to work out the things they need to work out. Now, obviously every team is always working things out over the course of the year, no matter what, but you know, you, you think that the most dramatic improvement always happens, you know, early on because it's when you go from unfamiliar to familiar, when you right. go from uninsync to insync. Now you may get more in sync as you get more time together, but there's always the, it's the early part of the learning curve that's steepest. Right. And they got well against the dolphins after a hideous week three. Uh, obviously their offense is just fine. Their defense kind of, and I don't know. I mean, uh, they got to their, their passers got to Mahomes a little bit, but you know, and you know, Mahomes made two mistakes in that game. But let's face it, they put up a forty burger on them, and you know, at the end, they were just holding on for dear life. The Chiefs did, did pretty much everything they wanted in the second half. I, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I mean, the Chiefs came back, but 
one was a 67 yard touchdown to hunt. One was a 75 yarder to Hill. The Patriots were driving. They were like just in rhythm, just crushing, bludgeoning them the whole time. And the chiefs, you know, they, they were struggling a little bit, but they just made these massive plays, converted some crazy third downs. You know, it's, it's fine when you do it, you hung up 40 points, but I, I, I felt like the Patriots were the better team in that game. Not necessarily, you know, if it were an arrowhead or if it were. You oh, know, that's later fair. I mean, they were ahead almost the entirety of the game. But uh, by the way, ha- picking the Patriots to cover three and a half was fun on that one too. Uh, I loved getting the Chiefs there. That was awesome. Someone's like, they should have let Gronk score the touchdown there. I'm like, no, they're not. Are you crazy? How are they going to cover that? You know? <laughs> yeah, all right. I know you're like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, but yeah, I, the whole too soon thing bugs me. A lot of times, because yes, there are times inside of two minutes or whatever. Yes, when you when you only need a field goal, you you take your time a little bit more. But I don't think you ever assume a touchdown when you're down yeah, you're seven. Two, you just score. If you're up two. Tyreek Hill should stop at the one yard line and they should kneel on it a few times. And, no, no. You know, sorry, if you're down two. If you're but, down two, yeah, yeah. I'm talking yeah. about the, you know, but I, I'm talking about down seven. Oh, they scored too soon. They let him get the ball back. Well. You have to score a touchdown to tie, period. You just have to yeah, do it. You know what? It's too it's very hard. I mean, it's too much to ask of the players, but against the Patriots in a forty to forty game, I actually think stopping at the one was probably the better E V play. Like I think they'd have more chance of winning if they could have run two plays with running clock to get in than by scoring. Because it was almost a certainty that the Patriots are gonna get a field goal out of that. And it's too. Comp- I mean, it's asking a lot to say. Oh, Tyreek Hill, stop at the half yard line and just let us kneel on it twice, and then start. You know, our EV will be better with two plays to get half a yard rather than, you know, the Patriots get the ball in a tie game. But it's that's a that's a tough thing to do, and it's splitting hairs. And I think for the most part, you're right. Like for the most part, you just score. This is a very particular situation where right. look who the other team is and look how many points have been scored. That's right. That's right. All right. Anything else to add for this week, Chris? Nope. Uh, I, I, well, I'll add one thing. I think uh, I, I made the, the Rams eight and a half point favorites in San Francisco. I thought it would be seven and a half, eight, and it's 10. It was actually 10 and a half at one point. And that is a big line on the road. I'm not saying that means it's wrong. I'm just saying it was one that took me by surprise. Yeah, uh, I was a little surprised by that too. And again, maybe recency bias is playing in our head a little bit there because, hey, the Niners look pretty good on Monday night uh, on the road, and now they're going home. But this is the same home where they lost to the Cardinals and they lost pretty convincingly. So, and, and now the Rams who are much better than the Cardinals are coming in. So I guess I could see it that way. I, I also like, I know this is not a rigorous thing, although I'd like to do some research on this once we build our uh, customizable database, but heartbreaking loss the previous week, especially in a Monday night game, I think is very bad for spread covering the following week. This is my, it's just my anecdotal. That's just like my experience of it. Like I always think, you know, the giant, neither the giants nor the Panthers covered this week after that heartbreaking win, heartbreaking lot, you know, just like it, it just, if your emotions are tied up in the week before, which they usually are and something like that, it's harder to move on. That's again, it's not rigorous. It's just anecdotal, but I, that's the one negative of the Niners. They, they played, they played their asses off in green Bay, lost a heartbreaker. And I wonder, you know, how hard is it to get up for it the next week? Which heartbreaker is more controlling in Bengals chiefs? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't Bengals know. I because it's a probably, rival for sure. I, I think the Chiefs are without cool a doubt. With it's the Bengals. 
Yeah, it's the Bengals and the Chiefs are cool. I mean, they're five and one. They went into Foxborough. We're 50, 50 with the Patriots. No, it was just basically says, oh yeah, we're right there. If we need to, you know, for the Super Bowl, we could win here. You know, they're not, I think they're disappointed. They lost, but I don't think they left heartbroken. Plus they were underdogs. So yeah, Bengals definitely worse. All right. That's going to conclude another uh, edition of uh, Talking Yang. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, fantasydraft.com and Jockalytics. Uh, to subscribe to Rotowire, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't already subscribe to Rotowire, you can get a free 10-day trial. Go to rotowire.com slash pod. You can follow Liss on Twitter at Chris underscore Liss. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. And subscribe to Rotowire. Otherwise, thanks again for listening to Talking Yang.